I would like you to help me pray for this sermon that I'm going to preach today, and I would also like to ask you to uh, pray for our country. I think that when we are here on Independence Day, it is right and in order to pray what we sing, and that is, God, would you bless America? Amen. We need the blessing of the Lord on our country, and I don't have to convince anybody. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of things that we could look at and say are wrong in our country, but we still are in a free country today, and we still are able to assemble and worship God, and I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for that, but our country needs prayer. We need to come back to the Lord. And we need to return back to his grace. So would you just pray with me right now? Pray for this sermon. Pray for our country. Let's lift our voice together. You can just remain seated, but lift your voice with me right now. Lord, I thank you so much for this Sunday. I thank you, Lord, for our country. I thank you for a free country that you have given. Lord, you have blessed this country so, so much. And Lord, we're able to assemble and we're able to worship. But I pray, Lord, that we as a country would turn back to you. We repent, Lord Jesus, for ways that we have alienated you from common life. Lord, we have uh, practiced abortion and called it choice. Lord, we're sorry for that. We repent as a nation for not sanctifying life more. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to come to you and lean on you. And you would let the church rise up, Lord, and be your ambassadors in this country. Lord, we pray for our leaders, we pray for our president, we pray for the cabinet, the Congress, our local leaders. I ask, Lord, as your word commands us to do, that you would put your hand upon them and let them turn toward you and govern in a way that is pleasing according to your word. You are able to bring this country another revival, Lord. You're able to bring us an awakening, Lord, and I ask for that. We ask for that, Lord. Let the word take root in our hearts and grow throughout this sermon. And thank you for your anointing that is on this service. We love you and praise you. We commit this all to you in Jesus' name. And everyone, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to someone and just say, God bless America. Would you do that? God bless America. I want him to do that. Amen. Let me give you a little bit of context behind this sermon. And... um, Uh, We are halfway through 2021. Do you know that? We're halfway through. We just uh, turned the corner. In fact, speaking of that, July 1st was Brother and Sister Hardin's. Am I right on this? July 1st, 66th wedding anniversary. Wow, isn't that awesome? Congratulations, Brother and Sister Hardin. We honor these great people, but we are halfway through 2021. In two weeks, Stacy and I will begin our 23rd year here in Cabot. And age causes contemplation. How many of you have ever got contemplative? Some of you are saying, you need to define that for me, Pastor. I don't know what contemplative means. Contemplative means you get thoughtful about things. And uh, you you start thinking, perhaps, about things that you never thought before. Uh, There is a, I I was surfing the internet a few years ago, and an ad popped up. How many of you love those ads? Just popped up. I didn't want to see it, but I saw it. And uh, it really spoke to, perhaps, a little bit about what I'm going to talk about today. So just give your attention to the screen. Maybe you've seen this before. We've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even a UFH2O. 
That's not good. That's not good. That's really not good. It happened August 14th, 2008, and we covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. <laughs> <laughs> now, there, there's a phrase in there that I saw, and it stuck with me, and it was this. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Now, how many of you, the older you get, you've seen a few things? And because you've seen a few things, you tend to know a few things. How many of you, just quickly, show of hands, just honest show of hands, um, how many of you feel like you know more today than you did 10 years ago? Would you raise your hand? Amen. I, I see some people raising their hands. I see some people vociferously nodding their head. So... Time and age brings contemplation. Uh, I think it's interesting and also appropriate at the halfway point of a year uh, that we have a little bit of a reset. It seems like a natural time when you've come halfway through a year to take a little bit of an inventory and uh, decide how's things going, how's my walk with the Lord. And I, I know I'm making a general statement here today because there are people at every different level of commitment or understanding of God's word. But I will tell you this, and, and I think it's already been stated, uh, none of us are here on accident right now. So the fact that we are in the house of the Lord at New Life in Cabot on this July 4th Sunday morning means God wants to tell us something from his word today. So what seems to be the lessons that we either need to learn or we need to keep learning? If I could boil it down to one thing that I will perhaps make the balance of my sermon this morning, it would be this. Successfully living for God hinges on hearing God's voice. Now, uh, I'm going to say that again because you're going to hear me preach on that for the next 30 minutes or so. Successfully living for God hinges on hearing God's voice. Now, a few years ago, in fact, it was a number of years ago now, we had Cabot Fest, which if you're new to Cabot, happens on the second Saturday of the month of October. How many have been to Cabot Fest before? It's a little slice of Americana, you know. There's food booths and little jungle gyms for the kids and, and uh, stages where bands are playing and things like that. And I was walking through Cabot Fest a number of years ago, and I ran across the bingo tent. Now, you know you're in a great town when one of the biggest attractions at Cabot Fest is the bingo tent. And so I just leaned up next to the post of the bingo tent and watched America unfold. And, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, you like bingo. You play bingo. And so uh, it, it was a bunch of folks at tables lined up facing the same way. And then a lady at the front with a big old silver hopper with ping pong balls in it and letters and numbers on it. She'd crank that hopper and a little ball would fall down and she would say, B3. People start covering the bingo card. And the longer a bingo game goes with no winner, the more stress comes. And you can almost feel it at the end of the game. I, I stood there and I watched for a while and there was, it got so stressful that there are people calling out to her at the end, near the end, call 071! Call B6! Like, like she could do something about that. 
So she cranked the hopper and she called the number and two people jumped up at the same time. Said, bingo! A lady on the front row and a young man on the back and now the race is on to get the bingo card with the evidence that you actually covered those spaces up to the lady at the front table to prove that you won. And they're hurrying up there. And I am standing there next to the bingo tent and the Lord spoke to me. Now that sounds so absurd coming out of my mouth, I'm going to say that one more time. I'm standing at the bingo tent at Cabot Fest and the Lord spoke to me. Honestly. And the Lord said, that's exactly the way some people think living for God successfully happens. That somehow there's a big silver hopper up in heaven and has all of our names in it. And some people just get called. <laughs> Darren Lewis! Woohoo! Woo <laughs> you have a successful walk with God. Danny Odo, hey, you have a successful walk with God. I'm here to preach on this Sunday morning. It doesn't work like that. There are no spiritual silver spoons. There are no last names that are greater than anybody else's last name. But successfully living for God is determined by whether we can hear what God is saying to us. Because I want to tell someone on this July 4th, God is speaking today. God is talking today, and he wants us to listen. Amen. Amen. In fact, if I could give a gift, and this is not in my power to do, but if I could give a gift to every person here, it would be the gift of knowing the sound of God's voice. Not in some hooky-spooky way, and I hope through this sermon to be able to prove that hearing God's voice is not some ethereal thing where you're in the corner and you're humming or acting weird. No, we can all hear God's voice. We can all hear God's voice. Let's take our Bible. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number 2. Revelation, chapter number 2, and verse number 7. Jesus is speaking to various churches in Asia and he says something that's interesting and repetitive. He's a preacher with a repetitive thought. He says in verse 7 of Revelation 2, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Skip down to verse number 11. He's now writing and, and speaking to the church at Smyrna. And he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Look at verse number 17. He's now writing to the church at Pergamos. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Look at verse number 29. Thyatira is his audience now. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you think maybe Jesus has a common theme that he's trying to get across here to every single church? Because if you look throughout the rest of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, in all seven churches... He had unique challenges and rebukes and commendations to all of them that were unique to them. But then he ended every single address to every single church with the same term. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Now within this passage is explicit understanding, but also implicit understanding. Explicit are things that are stated clearly. Ears. He who has ears. That's an explicit thing. We all have those. But also in this passage is implicit 
understanding. Ears to hear God's voice. Not just ears, not just these things on the side of our head, but ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, we only have to go to page one of our Bible and we begin to see how this God likes to talk. And he wants to speak. Look at Genesis. Go, go to the front of your Bible. Right after the table of comment, uh, contents, you will find chapter one of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter one and verse three, this creative, eternal God says this. Let there be light. And so in those few words, creation takes place. But I'm so thankful that this God who is speaking to us, as he did back then, is not just creating things through his word, but later on in the same chapter in verse number 5, the Bible says, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So he is not just creating, but he's also giving definition. This is why in a service like this, and I'm so thankful for how this service has unfolded today, because we have seen the obvious, creative spirit of the Lord at work. If you would look at our, our, our agenda for the service today, nowhere in the agenda that Pastor Chris was looking at does it say, now let's leave about seven or eight or ten minutes for people to come forward and respond to the presence of God by worship, prayer, and, and, and dancing. But when God's word is declared by singers, and when God's spirit begins to move, it creates something. It created everything that you and I see in Genesis chapter number one. But then that same word from God can then define it even more. And let me just tell you what I feel like the Lord wants to do. He wants to take a creative moment on a Sunday morning, and all week long, if we will submit to hearing his voice, begin to further define that in all of our lives. To where it's more than just a rush on a Sunday morning. It's more than just showing up at church and hearing a preacher preach. But that creative power is further defined throughout the week. Is that making sense to everybody? Amen. So he is a God of creation and he is a God of definition. Amen. The book of Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17 declares it like this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now watch this. The word of God is declared. It's what I'm doing right now. According to the scripture, hearing happens and faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can I say it like this? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. You say, Pastor, I don't have the faith for, and you fill in the blank. Here's my remedy for you. Here's what the scripture teaches. Get in an environment where God's word is being declared. Because faith comes by hearing God's word. This is why it is so important, and I'm not saying this because anybody's not here. You are here on Independence Day. But this is why it's important to be in environments often where God's word is being taught and preached. Why? Not so we can sign a role somewhere at a church, but because faith, what we need to live for God, comes through what's happening right here. 
That's why these moments, these Sundays, these services, Bible studies, midweeks, youth group, children's ministry, they're so very important to our life of faith. It's how faith comes. Now, this is, a, this is an understanding that God is still working on me with, and yet I really want to share it with you because I think it's, it's worth noting. And I think they're going to put this on the screen. Here's the way I just would say it. If we train our ears to hear God's voice, it will naturally produce faith to act. Is that on the screen? Yeah. If we train our ears to hear God's voice speaking to us, then it will naturally produce faith to act on that. Now, I've had people tell me before, and, and let me just, will you just free the preacher today? Don't judge the preacher right now. Well, if you do, there's an altar. You can pray before we leave. I've had people tell me before, honest, good, good-hearted people, Pastor, it's not hearing God's voice that I have a hard time with. It's acting. Now, don't say amen. Let me just tell you what I heard. It's not hearing God's voice, it's acting on it. Well, really, according to Scripture, hearing God's word produces faith to act on God's word. So let me just kind of play, show you like this. Uh, let me just set a scenario. It's Tuesday morning, because a lot of times we can think, you know, God speaking just church settings. Let's take it out of church settings. Tuesday morning, before you go to work, you're sitting down in your chair in the living room and you're reading a few verses of Scripture. And as you are hearing God's word, faith comes alive. And he kind of nudges you to do something about it. Okay? Like I was just talking to a family this morning. And they said our, our daughter is feeling the nudge to be water baptized. And um, here's, here's where it goes. If we feel that nudge, and watch this, if we act on that, okay, whether it's baptism or being faithful to church more than ever before, whatever the case, and you see that it was beneficial and you started to grow, that in itself propels faith and lets you know, yes, that was the voice of God. Is everybody okay? Are you hearing what I'm, I'm preaching today? We hear God's voice, we act on it, and we see God work it, it, in itself. It's kind of its own motor. It lets us know that was the voice of God and gives us more confidence that we can hear God's voice. It's not some mystical... Uh, I, I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I went through a period of time in my life when I thought God's voice was only heard if I just scrunched up enough as though God was going to come and unwad me. Tim. It's always bothered me, by the way, when I've seen these, these movies about Jesus' life because they always have him talking in tones like we don't talk. You ever notice that? Peace. Be still. No. We don't talk like that. How, what would you think? If I took the pulpit every Sunday and said, blessings, my people. I think Jesus talked just like we talked. 
And I think his voice is not some mystical thing that has to be decoded and understood 12 different ways. I think God wants to speak to us. I think God wants to talk to us this week. I think God wants to talk to you, sir. He wants to talk to you, sister. He wants to speak in a way, and we begin to respond to that, that then lets us know we can hear from God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. Here's the deduction today. It is impossible to be well-pleasing to God without faith, and faith comes by hearing God's word. Again, it's crucial that we train our ear to hear God's voice. So let me just kind of break it down. How does God speak? Look at your neighbor and say, how does God speak? I'm going to give you three ways that I think in Scripture, this is not an exhaustive list, but I think it's primary. Three ways that I believe God speaks. Number one is God speaks through his word. If you have a Bible, would you take that Bible and hold it in your hand right now? In fact, just hold it up. Phones, leather Bibles, tablets, we got them, okay? God speaks through his word. It's an ancient book. It's got 66 individual books and thousands of verses. But it is God's word for us. It's not a trick question. It's not a stage question. How many of you have taken that Bible that you hold in your hand and you have read it on your own and on your own God pointed out a verse to you and it ministered exactly what you needed to hear. You know what that was? That wasn't coincidence. That wasn't happenstance. That was the God of eternity quickening the hearts of men and women to write down words because he had us in mind. He speaks through his word. That tells me I need to read his word. I need to, if you need direction, get in his word. If you need an answer, get in his word. He speaks through his word. Number two, he also speaks through promptings. Promptings. These are God thoughts. I call them spirit nudges. That little quickening. How many have felt those before? Go. Do that. Talk. Open your mouth. Say that. It's not spooky, but it's a nudge you feel, a quickening you feel. Someone asked me one time, how do you know it's not the devil? It's a good question. How do you know it's not your flesh? You know, we can get all emotional. It can just be our flesh. Well, I'll just tell you this. It's, it's not the devil if you, the nudge you feel is to help someone draw closer to God. I'm not trying to be funny, but that's not something the devil wants credit for. Is someone to draw closer to God. And most of the time, we live, sorry, I'm just going to say it, fairly selfishly. We like what we like. And so for us to feel to go out of our own comfort and go minister to someone else or help someone else, many times that's the Spirit nudging us to do that. It's the prompting of the Lord. And then thirdly, God speaks through His ambassadors. His ambassadors. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter number 8. And I want us to see something that is really, really marvelous the book of Acts is so wonderful. Now, it has a lot of great doctrinal things in it, but it also has a great history of the early church. And I want you to see something here in Acts chapter number 8. Philip is in Samaria. 
and, and look at verse number six, uh, Acts eight and verse number six, and maybe they can put this on the screen. Acts eight and six. The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, they're in Samaria, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. It was a great, great moment. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Philip is having a great revival. Philip is having a seismic move of the spirit. Philip is having this overwhelming success in Samaria. And skip down, if you would, to verse number 26. And in the middle of all this success, the Bible says, and an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. (laughs) Now, this is not in the Bible, but I think the bubble over Philip's head at that moment, this is Tim Gaddy theology here, said, what? You mean to tell me you're going to take me from this outpouring, this great revival, surely I'm the man. And now an angel is showing up and saying, leave here, go to the south. That's the one redeeming thing of that. that He had to go to the south. That's good. Go to the south to a desert. Now, look at the next verse. That's verse number 26. Look at verse 27. So he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Look at the next verse, verse number 28. Was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. The Lord didn't say, go to the desert and I'll have this guy waiting for you. He just said, go to the desert. And as he went, heard God's voice, heard the ambassador from God, acted in faith, the Lord said, I'm going to bring something to pass that you don't see with your eyes right now. Can I tell you, New Life Church, on this Sunday morning, sometimes you will hear something from a preacher a prophetic word from somebody, an ambassador of the Lord speaking, you hear something preached, you feel a nudging, and you just respond in faith. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the I's dotted. We don't have the T's crossed. All we know is it was God saying, go. And let me tell you something, as sure as he tells us to go, he is working on the other end of that go. And he is touching people's hearts and getting people ready and preparing people's hearts. Sometimes he sends ambassadors, an angel of the Lord, a word, a direct word from God. And he speaks and it requires our faith. Undisciplined hearers can descend into emotion-based decision making. And then play the blame game when things don't turn out well. Now how many of you, and I'm just about finished, I'm not going to preach a long time uh, longer today, but how many of you, listen, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask it anyways. How many of you, God has ever nudged you or said something to you, and on the surface, it didn't make a whole lot of sense? Any witnesses in the house? Have you ever had a moment after you responded in faith, maybe a week, two years later, that then you said, oh, 
Oh, I just felt something when I said that. I felt like from the congregation, well, of course. We can't live for God just based on our emotions. But God, as sure as I'm on this platform today, this week is going to be speaking to some people. He's going to reset our ears halfway through 2021 to hear his voice. And then God's going to give us the faith to act upon that and watch him work in our lives. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. So what he says, we can bank on it. He's a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. The word pure means refined. All the impurities have been eliminated. It is not contaminated at all. When God says something, you can always trust it. Listen, God's word will always bring about what he has planned for our lives. Amen. All right, now here's how I'm going to finish. Okay, pastor, we got it. He speaks. He speaks through his word. He speaks through promptings. He speaks through ambassadors. What does he say when he speaks? Because I'm faced with a decision that I have to make. What does he say? Okay? Number one, sometimes, if you're taking notes, this is a, this is a good thing to circle right now. Sometimes God says, yes. Now, we like this. I'm going to prove it to you biblically. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I was reading this recently, and it just jumped off the page at me. Now, it happened, verse 1, 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. It happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Look at verse 6. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. It was a time of great anguish. Because sometimes we can live with a burned city, but not with families that are captive. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Verse 8, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Can I go after the Amalekites for what they've done? Watch what the Lord says. He answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Watch the next couple of verses. David went, he and 600 men that were there. He pursued. Look at verse 11. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. Let me just cut to the chase. They asked the Egyptian in the field, do you know anything about the Amalekites? He said, I'm a servant of the Amalekites. Do you know where they're at? I can take you to them. So God's yes opened up a door for victory for David. Everybody say, sometimes he says yes. And then sometimes the voice of God says, no. Oh, let's have that as a revelation today. 
Do you have Bible for that, Pastor? Yeah, I do. 2 Samuel chapter number 7 and verse number 12. David is wanting to build a temple for the Lord. It's been dwelling in temporary housing for all these years. He wants it to be uh, resplendent and glorious, just like his great God. In verse number 12, the Lord speaks to David after, the Lord in, after David inquires about building the temple. Verse 12, when your days are fulfilled, David, the Lord says to him, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Do you know what God said to David's request to build a temple? No, no. Nope. Not going to happen. But I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to raise up your son. And I'm going to raise up your heritage. And I'm going to let him build the temple. Now, I want to just throw this in here before I finish today. How we respond to God's no says a lot about our trust in him. Because when God said to David, no, you can't build the house. Now, your boy will. You, know, you ever notice they don't call it David's temple? It's the glory of Solomon's temple. But David was okay with somebody else building the temple. Why? Because God said it would be that way. And in fact, in the verses that follow, when David heard the no, he said, all right, I may not be able to build the temple, but I'll get the materials put together. I'll bring in the cedar. I'll make sure the material list is ready to go so that when it's built, it can be built. How we respond to God's no is very important. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and then sometimes God says, trust me. Now I will confess in 22 years of pastoring and a whole lot of years of living, this is probably the toughest one. Because bless God, I'd rather have a yes or a no than a trust me. Kid, kids, young people, have you ever heard your parents say, just trust me? I can't explain everything to you, just trust me. Did that used to drive you, does it drive you crazy like it used to drive me crazy? No, I want a yes, I want to know. Come on, tell me. Sometimes God says, trust me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse number seven, the apostle Paul says, lest I should be exalted above measure, I was given a thorn in the flesh. And what does the scripture say? Messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Next verse, verse number eight. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Watch God say to, to Paul, look at the next verse. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sometimes God says, I'm not going to explain it and I'm not going to take it. I'm going to ask you to trust me with it. I'm looking at an audience here on this Sunday morning. There are some things that you might ask me as a pastor. Pastor, why does this happen? Why did this happen? And I don't have a yes, and I don't have a no, but God may say, just trust me right now. 
Just choose to trust me with what you don't understand. Choose to trust me with what hasn't happened yet. Trust me. And we don't see, as far as I know, that the Apostle Paul ever got more understanding or relief about the thorn in the flesh other than my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. I will take you through. There are some things that we will not understand on this side of glory. But the voice of the Lord would say to us today, trust me. I want you to stand with me if you would, please. I felt it very, very important to, I know it's been more of a teaching today, but I feel very important that we reset with this sermon today. Because I am not embellishing and I am not exaggerating when I tell you, hearing God's voice and then that helping us act is so crucial to living successfully for God. And I want to tell you, look right here at at Pastor. You, 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 you and the risers, you can hear God's voice. I want, to, I want to come against any voice from the enemy that tells you you can't. Yes, you can. You can hear God's voice. You can act in obedience to God's voice. You can rise up in faith and say, Lord, I'm going to follow your, your will for my life. You can. Listen to this preacher. You can do that. It just takes decision-making today. And it takes decision-making tomorrow to listen. And I don't, I'm not going to teach on this because this would take a whole long time, and I promise I'm not going to teach on this. But sometimes to hear God's voice, we've got to get other stuff out of our hearing. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of worldly, fleshly thinking. But if I'm truly going to hear God's voice and be successful in this eternal plan that God has for me, I've got to listen for His voice. So what's God saying to you today? What's God saying to you this week? What is God calling you to act upon? There's three questions that I use to determine the voice of God in my life. Number one, does it agree with the Bible? Number two, will it make me more like Jesus? Number three, do spiritual mature leaders in my life confirm what I'm hearing? Three questions I ask. In hearing God's voice, does it agree with the Bible? He's never going to speak something that's contrary to his word, folks. Will it make me more like Jesus? Do spiritually mature leaders in my life confirm it? Why don't we do this? Can we, can we just gather around the front today before we leave and go home? Can you just come, guests, members, everybody, let's just come. Just step out from where you are. We're going to pray together before we leave today. Amen. A little bit of a reset today on this Sunday. Everybody say reset. reset. It's good to reset every once in a while. It's good to reset. Amen. Pastor Nate, I remember back in 1993, uh, I was asked to speak at a youth convention down in downtown Little Rock when we used to have HYC. 
holiday youth convention at the State House Convention Center. And uh, this was long before they these guys took it and just took it way beyond whatever my leadership did. But it was such an honor to be asked to speak at this, this conference. And it was one of my first uh, times that I began to see that the Lord was opening up several opportunities to speak to students at that time in my life. And so, Sister Sandra, I, made the, I asked God this, I prayed this, and I said, Lord, if you're opening up these doors, would you allow me to preach sermons that directly affect the everyday life of students? Because what I didn't want to do was preach on topics and themes that were way up here. And people walk out and say, whoo, man, I've never heard words like that. Like, literally, I've never heard words like that. I don't understand what the preacher said. It was impressive, but I don't understand what he said. I didn't want that to be said. So I was trying, and, and the Lord was, was kind, and, and, and he's, he's gracious. So I feel it incumbent upon me as a pastor to, to kind of just show you personally, for me. Not that I've got this perfected, but how this works, Brother Odell. This is not mystical. Listen, I just want to make sure somebody here, and maybe this is for one person, but I want you to be convinced the voice of God and what he is calling you to do is not mystical. It's just listen for it. Then act on it. So I'll just tell you in real living color this morning that I got a nudge from the Lord. So maybe this will help you, okay? So if you go to our planning center uh, outline and you see the service, Pastor Chris was opening the service and then welcoming our guests and welcoming our online church family and on down the list. And then he was going to receive the offering. And then we went into uh, that great worship song after the offering. But nowhere in that did we have prayer up front for people. But I was over here in the altar area and I just felt... A nudging. It wasn't like this, have people pray for one another. It was just a nudging in my heart. The Lord wants to talk to some people. He wants to help some people, heal some people today. Fill some people, refill some people with the Holy Ghost. So you know what I did? I just took a risk. Because here's the thing, acting on the voice of God, there will always be an element of risk in it. Because we, we, we don't really know, is that God? But the more you act, act on it, the more you see it's God, and it builds that confidence. Not in you, but that you can hear from God. And so I, that's when I stepped up here, and I said, you know what, let's do, let's have our small group leaders and our ministers come, and, and people begin to pray. And there was an obvious continuation of what God was doing. Was that Tim Gaddy? No, that wasn't me at all. It's just his voice wanting to help further direct his church, and he's looking for a vessel. God's word is looking for ears that are hearing what he's saying this week. Amen. Let's pray right now. And I, I, if you're open, if you want God to speak to you, whether you've served the Lord or you're not serving the Lord right now, or maybe you're brand new to the claims of Christ, or you're somebody that's here that's served the Lord a long time, but you want your ears to hear him more than ever before, tell him that right now. Jesus, we are wide open on this Sunday morning. Oh, God, we are wide open on this Sunday morning. I, I, I stand here right now in your presence, thanking you for your voice, thanking you for speaking today, Lord. I trust, God, that you are at work and you are ministering and you are helping, Lord. In Jesus' name, speak to us this week, Lord. 
Speak to our hearts, O God. Speak to us, God. I pray it. I pray that you would let us, as the Scripture says, have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Have ears to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. Lord, when your Spirit speaks, I pray you'd give us faith to walk it out, to act on it, Lord, to take a simple step of faith. Lord, perhaps there are people here right now that are wanting to be baptized. Lord, let them act on that today. That spark of faith that has come alive, let them act on it today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you're a creative God, but you also define your word as we walk it out. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we love you today, oh God. We listen for your voice today. We listen, Lord, for your voice. We listen for your voice today. Hallelujah. God, I pray that when we quiet ourselves this week, that your word will speak to us. Those promptings will speak to us, Lord. You will send ambassadors to speak to us, Lord. You're preparing the way as you speak, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We reset today, God. We reset our thinking, Lord. We reset our priorities today. Lord, let the last half of this year be the greatest year, greatest portion of the year. I pray it in Jesus' name. I pray it in Jesus' name. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. God, we believe. Oh, yes. The impossible. God, we believe. Hallelujah. I want y'all to come out here and sing it. Sing it again. Move the immovable. Oh yes, God, we believe. God, we believe for it. Somebody receive that word right now. Do the impossible, Lord. A miracle. God, we believe. Come on, sing it again.
let me just say, I, I believe that the last half of 2021 can be the greatest portion of this year for you. I really believe that. So let's make it that by listening for the creative God of eternity speaking to us, giving us direction, showing us his way because he's talking and he wants to help us. Amen. Amen. Brother Jason's going to pray over us and then you can be dismissed when he's done praying. God bless you, sir. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word that you've spoken to us today. God, I pray that you would bind us together in the unity of the spirit, Lord, in the, the bond of peace. God, help us to be one body, many members of one body, working together for your kingdom, for your glory. God, send us out into the harvest to do your labor for your work. In the name of Jesus, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Dismiss in Jesus' name.